1: Into our house, enter thou not. Through our fence, break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life, you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to another October Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan.
0: Hello, Dan. I'm Lulu. Hello, Lulu. Hello, sir.
1: Uh, If you love the show and you want to do something for free to help us stick around, please wow. rate and review... Five stars, thumbs up, whatever's good for whatever platform you listen on. Uh, Much appreciated. You help us find new listeners, which helps this uh, ghost train stay on the tracks. Cute. Uh, And if you don't want any ads, monthly bonus episodes. If you do want monthly bonus episodes and more, check out our Patreon, 20% Ghost Charity. Uh, We have three dozen bonus episodes in County now. So fun. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: They are really fun. They're a little bit different. Sometimes they're a little bit longer. We talk about more of our personal life at the end, like we do the horror, and then we do yeah. more intimate details about our lives.
1: And that's it. And that's it for announcements this time. Uh, now we're going to preview our horror stories. We have a big episode today.
0: We do have a big, fat, juicy horror hamburger. Do
1: you want to go first with yours? Sure.
0: Um, I have three stories this week, which I don't think yeah. I've done like a three-story show in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my first story is about, yes, a haunted house, but there's something more to it. It's super okay. fun. My second story takes place well, my second story is very different than anything I've ever done here before. It's more of just like a lore story. Okay. Uh, just like the history of, and then not even a modern encounter, just like a weird kind of strange thing at Transylvania University.
1: And somebody just sent that in, huh? Wanted yeah. to share that information with us? Yeah. I just yeah, thought it was I really like it.
0: cool. Just kind of break it up a little bit. Totally. So we're going to Mr. C, who's producing today, uh, going to Kentucky. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, randomly, my third story, also in Kentucky. Oh
1: yeah!
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> a haunted warehouse.
1: Oh, cool. That's that's a, a different setting. Yeah, than we're used to
0: the last time we had a haunted warehouse story that I could remember, and yeah. now we're going back years. Now it was like something where like there was a cop involved, and he like maybe he or she I think it was a guy like would like take a like a like would like uh, patrol the warehouse like the outside and or like maybe people where there was something around inside and he like caught people coming out but there was definitely like a haunted warehouse there was a cop i don't know i know it's like the details are so fuzzy but i'm like i remember this (laughs) something something at a warehouse okay cops and warehouses you get it
1: (laughs) okay i have two i have a big one and a little one uh big one first someone identifying themselves only as trevor shares a story from their childhood of encountering what sure seems if their story is true, of course, some type of extremely dangerous demonic entity, a creature capable of causing real harm in the real world. For my second story, we'll head to Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh,
0: okay. And,
1: and go over lore associated with the USS Lexington, a.k.a. the Blue Ghost, an aircraft carrier built during World War II for the U.S. Navy that now operates as a museum, a reportedly very haunted museum. Okay, cool. And before getting to into these stories, uh, I recently talked to someone. Oh, yeah about a supposed encounter they had. Uh, Lindsay and I were in Manhattan. I was in New York uh, doing press for my recent Santa special and for this podcast in Time Suck. And Dan, it's Dan Manorino. He's uh, who I spoke with from New York's PIX 11. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and off air, he was just, you know, he knew we did a a horror podcast. and He was like, hey, uh, do you guys ever do like ghost hunts? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, no, we just haven't had time, but it'd be so fun. And he's like, well, I recently did one. And I asked him if he saw anything. I kind of expected he's, I mean, he seems like the most, like, not who you'd expect to be into ghosts. Right. He's very just straight like, laced.
0: Yeah. And he just is like, um, well, he looks like a news anchor. Like he's yeah. like, he's like very mm-hmm. fit, very good looking, like perfectly quaffed hair. I mean, yep. he was on set, like his makeup's just right. His, yeah. Everything about him is just
1: yeah, on point. Ju- yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so. He doesn't, he, he doesn't seem like someone who would be, I guess you can't judge a book by cover, but like super into the paranormal. Didn't seem real witchy.
0: No, no, not if we're, if we are judging a book by its cover, it's not him.
1: Right, right. And, and so, you know, ask him if he saw anything. And he said that he, when he was going on this ghost hunt, he felt, what was it? It was a, uh, oh yeah, big temperature drop. And then saw an apparition of a lady in a white dress. Mm -hmm. And then also felt somebody grab him around the waist from behind.
0: Yeah. Like a, like like distinct a big feeling. cold hug almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And he was like, definitely a believer in ghosts.
0: Yeah. And I think he was maybe going back to that place. I can't remember Wait. if he like went and did this on air as like a special segment for Pix yeah. 11 or whatever, but it was a cool story. I wish we would have had more time to chat with him about it.
1: Yeah. And, and I do love how many people are believers to some degree out there. Yeah. Cause I also talked about scared to death a ton. Some of you may have heard it on the, on Jim and Sam, the Sirius XM show, uh, Jim Norton, and Sam Roberts. And it just made me think about how even people who claim not to believe at all in this stuff still do believe in it. Because Jim Norton, he's a great comic and very skeptical. And he actually asked me after a while, he's like, yeah, but do you actually believe in any of this stuff? And I was like, yeah, actually I do now. I don't believe in all the stories, but I do believe there's more out there than we can see or scientifically prove and that there are ghosts in these different things. Uh, I don't know what to what degree, but I do. And he was like, yeah, I just don't. And then I asked him, I'm like, okay, if you don't- This was the
0: best, like, comeback question.
1: <laughs> I go, would you go into a dark basement in the middle of the night, all by yourself, <laughs> sit in a pentagram of candles, playing with the Ouija board, and asking demonic entities to show their presence inside the room? And he had, like, an emotional reaction. He's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, he, I was like, then part of you believes.
0: A- absolutely.
1: Yep. Yeah. Because like if you- prove it. Totally. Yeah. You truly thought- hundred percent, this stuff is is garbage, then why not do that? Because there's no risk.
0: I have a really good idea. And I don't want Kyler to do this at our house. But when he is home for holidays, I think we should like, cause he is like, I am an atheist. I don't believe in anything. There's nothing out there like science only. If you can't prove it to me factually, I don't want to, I don't believe in it. I, I wonder if you asked him like, if he would do that. I wonder what he would say. And then also if he says, yeah, okay. It's like, okay, then go do that at your mom's house.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he would. I don't know if he would.
0: I don't know. She's pretty like staunch in science as well. So I'm like, yeah, go ahead, do it at her house, not my house.
1: Yeah, yeah. But let me
0: know how that all shakes out.
1: <laughs> I, I just think no matter how much we pride ourselves, some of us on thinking critically, which is so important.
0: So important, but this isn't the space for that.
1: For the overwhelming majority majority of us, the world still is at least a little magical, which is which is great. I like it. Okay, so you socked and loaded.
0: I'm um, so, oh socked and loaded. Very nice. Yes, I have on some um, dairy socks. Mm-hmm, that, Stephen King. Yep. Come home, come home, come home.
1: <laughs> um, you ready to go then? I'm ready, spaghetti. No context setup for this one. We're just going to jump directly in, and this is a this is a big one. So I'll get ready here. Okie doke. Time now for the tale of the devourer. All of this came up for me again because I just moved into a new house. I know some people would call it cookie cutter. The white picket fence outside, the gray shingles, the white trimmed windows, the blue facade, just like every other house on the block. And it has, I think, one of three different floor plans that you can choose from. Generic, soulless, tract housing. And I love it. <laughs> My friends assumed that I'd only gotten it because of a bargain. Why else would anyone want to move into a place so dull? I did it because I would made a promise to myself. I was never, ever, going to buy an old place. Not after what had happened to me and my family. I was 13, old enough to know that my parents' financial situation was dire. Though both of them were teachers who made decent money, they'd recently had to pay a bunch of legal fees because my 17-year-old brother, Adam, just couldn't stay out of trouble. Started with skipping school, hanging out with a rougher crowd, He buzzed his hair, bleached the remaining fuzz, got his ears pierced, got a really shitty stick-and-poke tattoo from a friend of a friend who clearly was not a tattoo artist. (laughs) Our parents, who always believed in encouraging our creativity and self-expression, were torn. They didn't want to crush his newfound sense of self. And it was hard for them to tell where normal teenage rebellion ended and seriously fucking up his future began. Adam would, in the end, show them exactly where that line was and how he'd already crossed it. It was July. The summer after eighth grade, when I awoke to red and blue lights flashing in my bedroom and the sound of yelling coming from the living room. Slowly, I crept out of bed, edged open the bedroom door, peering out into the hall. My parents were standing at the front door. Behind them, the shadowy figures of several police officers. We had no idea he was out, my mom said in a shaky voice. Sounding close to tears, her arms folded over her bathrobe. Absolutely no idea. And he won't be going out again anytime soon. My dad added, using his stern history teacher voice. That's for damn sure. The police officer's voice was vague, but I heard something about pressing charges, property damage, assault, theft. The next day, my mom told me exactly what had happened. Apparently, Adam and his group of delinquents had been hanging out at a friend's house and wanted to get some alcohol. So they went to a liquor store and waited for someone to pass by who looked like they'd be cool with buying beer for a bunch of teenagers. A middle-aged guy came by, agreed to buy it for them, But then the group watched in shock as the guy came out with two half racks and walked right by them. (laughs) They asked him where their stuff was, to which the guy responded, don't give strangers money, you dumb shits. That set Adam and the rest of them off bad. They trailed the guy to his house, formulating a plan for revenge. Since Adam was the skinniest of the group, he was chosen to sneak through the narrow alleyway into the backyard and get in through the man's back door. They were looking for something to take, something they felt would even the score. Adam crept into the darkened hallway and spotted the guy in his living room watching TV. Ring! Adam nearly pissed himself, but it was just the phone ringing. The guy got up and went to answer it, and now Adam knew that he had to get the fuck out of there. Why had he convinced himself to go through with his crazy plan? Maybe he thought there was a window in the bathroom he could shimmy out of. So he quickly stepped into the bathroom, shutting the door behind him as quietly as he could. There was, indeed, a window. Adam breathed a sigh of relief, and then he noticed the cabinet. There were several bottles of prescription painkillers. Apparently, this guy had just had some kind of surgery. And, And he walked in just as Adam was shimmying through the window, the pills rattling in his pockets. The guy grabbed Adam's legs, pulled him back into the bathroom. Adam cracked his head against the floor and then kicked the guy in his nose hard enough to break it. But the guy was still able to pin him down and call the police. I thought about that bathroom often in the next few months as my parents contacted a lawyer and prepared to go to court. And when I thought of that bathroom, I didn't think of Adam and the guy in it. No, I saw the low flickering light over empty white tiles, a spray of blood on the back of the toilet, and a face in the mirror. It wasn't Adam's face or the guy's face. In fact, it didn't look like the face of anyone alive. It looked like it had been shredded, worn down to the bone, I could see shining gaps that exposed bone, and beyond that, a deep, empty darkness. A little bit of bleach, bond, bleach blonde fuzz clinging to a bloody skull. I didn't know where the hell that image came from, but it began to haunt me. That face scared the hell out of me, and it just kept showing up in my dreams for weeks after that first night. It was also the least of my new problems. Since my parents had been fighting Adam's legal battles, they had to miss lots of work when the school year started. And when word got around about Adam, it was hard for either of them to have much authority in the classroom. Things were getting bad for both of them. My mom ended up quitting her job, both because of the tense classroom situation and because Adam needed to be watched 24-7. Soon, we weren't able to pay the mortgage on our four-bedroom house. My parents came up with a plan to spare me as much as possible from our new dire financial situation. We think it would be best if you just went to live with your grandma Jane, my mom said, steepling her fingers at the breakfast table. My dad sat beside her looking haggard and sleepless. Though only 42, he had dark circles under his eyes, and gray was quickly taking over his beard and receding hair. It's clear that this situation isn't going to resolve itself anytime soon. And you need consistency, she added. This isn't what we want, but it seems like the best option, my dad agreed. No, I blurted, I don't want to live with grandma Jane. Grandma Jane lived in a retirement community in Florida. And though my parents assured me that there were good schools there and that I would be able to visit them over breaks, I didn't want to live there. I didn't want to live in a condo full of old people, missing my friends, missing my family, having to watch the prices right as we eat meals and dinner each night or TV dinner each, each night, all alone with my new nightmares sweating through the humid Florida night. It sounded like hell. Trevor, my mom said gently, I know it's a big ask, but we all have to make sacrifices. Let me come with you, I begged. Wherever you go, please let me come with you. There was another reason I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be separated from my brother. I'd already lost him for three months to a mandatory juvenile rehabilitation program. His recent legal problems didn't affect the way I felt about him one bit. The person I'd idolized most of my life. The person who taught me how to ride a bike. And bought me after school snacks with his own money. I felt like he needed me. If anyone could bring him back, could bring our family back together, I was confident it was me. I don't care if I have to share a bedroom. I said, I'll do anything. I'll sleep in the car. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that, my dad said, exchanging a look with my mom. It was sad, exasperated, and tender all at once. And I knew they wouldn't be sending me to live with Grandma Jane. But my life still changed tremendously. A couple weeks later, my parents ended up finding us a new house, a place for rent that was under 1000 bucks a month. I didn't know the catch until we arrived with our moving van. What the hell? I muttered, staring up at a narrow two-story brick building with high, arched, stained glass windows. Are those gravestones in the backyard? It's a converted church, my mom said, trying to sound chipper. Did I not mention that? It was built in the early 19th century. Oh, great, Adam mumbled from the way back, his voice a heavy deadpan. A converted church. Awesome. He'd been different ever since he got back from his program. Quieter, more subdued, but not in an ashamed way. It was more like he was drugged. His eyes glazed over, his mouth perpetually slack. Maybe they put him on a new regiment of medications, I thought. Well, it's going to be converted, my mom said. They're giving us a good deal in exchange for some renovation work. What do you say, boys? My dad turned around in the driver's seat. He'd always done handyman projects for a little cash in the summers, but this seemed like a lot. An opportunity to pay tribute to the past while looking towards the future. Sounds exciting, no? Thrilling. Adam said flatly. That day, we moved all our stuff into the old church. The central area where I assumed the pews were had been cleaned out, leaving a dusty concrete floor where we put our dining table. There was a kitchen off to the back, behind an altar that nobody seemed to know what to do with. It was still there, plush red carpet and a pulpit with a big mural of angels behind it. There were pale spots on the carpet where it seemed like other things had been removed. The sacramental stuff, I'm assuming. My dad said, the beginning of, I think the technical term is deconsecration. Cool, Adam said. His new monotone voice was starting to creep me out. I was at least somewhat curious about our new surroundings, even though most of the drawers I opened merely revealed dusty sheet music or forgotten Bibles. But Adam simply stood in the middle of the room, not looking around, staring resolutely ahead at the pulpit, as though trying to destroy it with mind control or something. Wait, I said, glancing around again. Where are we going to sleep? The priest quarters, well, former priest quarters, are right above us. Your dad and I will take that. The rest of the floor is an attic space that we'll have to clear out, my mom told us. The basement is huge, and it'll be plenty of space for the two of you to share, she added encouragingly, giving me and Adam the kind of look that she'd given us when we were little kids and she was trying to get us to wear matching outfits or something. The basement, I repeated. All right. I was feeling a strange mix of emotions. Part of me was excited to share a room with Adam again. I thought about all the stuff we'd done when we were little, reading comic books with flashlights, playing video games until the early hours of the morning, drinking soda until we gave ourselves hours-long sugar highs. Maybe we would get to do that again. But I was also nervous. The idea of sleeping in a dark, dank basement of a church, it made me think of my recent nightmares. The eerie white tiles, the flickering light. I thought about that face in the mirror. Come on. Adam said, nudging me in the shoulder and snapping me out of an uncomfortable moment. Let's get our mattresses. It was the most I'd heard him talk all day. I chose to take that as a good sign. We spent that first night eating Chinese takeout on a couch that someone had left behind. Probably the youth group, my mom said. And playing Uno with a set of cards we found in a drawer. This is good, I told myself. This is normal. But then it was time to go to bed. Night, boys, my mom said, kissing each of us on the head. Remember, don't touch anything that could be dangerous Tell me and your dad about anything you see And we'll see what we can do tomorrow We'll do, Adam said, already shrugging off attempt attempted a hug Come on, Trev As we lay in the dark on our frameless mattresses I strained to hear Adam's breathing beside me Overhead I could see the crumbling ceiling Some exposed wires I'd have to tell my dad about that tomorrow And large water stains After 20 minutes or so, I gave up on sleeping Adam, you asleep? Obviously not Adam said, and I could hear his body shifting to face me. What's up? What should I say? That I couldn't sleep because I couldn't get that image of the bathroom out of my head? Instead, I said, what was it like? What was what like? Being in that guy's house, what was it like? Honestly, Adam sighed, I just felt out of control. Like it wasn't in my body, or I wasn't in my body, or I don't know, I was in it, but someone else was driving the car, or I was just along for the ride. My thoughts, they all felt like someone else was speaking to me, and I just had to obey. I frowned. My mind immediately went to the worst possibility, a brain tumor. The fucked up part was half of me wanted that to be true so I'd have an explanation for why my kind, sweet brother had become so different. Do you think your thoughts felt different because you you probably got a concussion? No, he said quietly. I've been feeling like that for months. I just didn't know it would get that intense started out as an awareness of things. I didn't know, like, where people were. And I thought maybe I was just a good guesser. I didn't know what to make of that. One part of me thought my brother was crazy. But another part of me knew what he meant, especially about the people I loved. Some part of me felt like I always knew where my mom and dad were in the house, even when my conscious mind didn't actually know. And walking into the church, I felt a similar but different kind of energy. Something slower, more ancient. Like there was something here that I'd seen before. I just couldn't at that time figure out what, what it was. Adam, I asked. Now he was asleep. Maybe I tried to convince myself it was this new medication that he was on. Maybe it was doing something to his brain, making him sense things. But that didn't describe how he'd felt before being on meds, if he even was on meds now. Frustrated with how little I knew, I turned over and sank into an uneasy sleep and dreamed about that face again. Like before, it was me, alone in the bathroom, the lights flickering, the tiles shining. But this time, I wouldn't look at the mirror. I wouldn't do it. That's when I heard it. Look at me. Look at me. No, I yelled. You can't make me. Suddenly, a hand wrapped around my neck, pulling me back into the shower, the shower curtain entangling us, through the sheet plastic, the sheet of plastic, I saw it, the face that wasn't a face, the fuzzy bleached hair, the hands reaching to wrap around my throat. No, not hands, one hand. "'The other one was a stump, bleeding all over us, "'staining the tile, dark red, "'turning us slippery as we thrashed and thrashed. "'I woke up in a cold sweat, "'dust swirling in the light coming in through the windows. "'I looked over at the mattress beside me. "'Adam was gone. "'Adam!' I called. "'Adam? Adam!' Scrambling up the stairs, I arrived in the main room. "'It was even creepier in the daytime, "'the stained glass windows bleeding color onto the floors. "'I thought again of my dream. "'Adam? Adam!' What? I spun around. Adam was carrying a giant electric saw, safety goggles perched on his nose. With a grin, he turned the saw on, and it emitted a high pitched shriek as he walked towards me. Adam, be careful! That was my dad running up behind us from a door that led out of the church and into the backyard. He was wearing his typical summer uniform, paint spattered jeans, and a whole studded t-shirt, even though it was fall. The renovation had begun. Sorry. Sorry, Adam said, putting down the saw, mercifully turned off, just joking around. (laughs) Damn, you should have seen the look on your face. Oh, I didn't know what else to say. I realized that I was shaking badly and that my pajamas were soaked with sweat. You okay, buddy? Dad said. Get some clothes on. Come help. It's going to be a long day. And it was. We spent the entire day clearing out the attic. A dusty, wide expanse of boxes upon boxes of old files, what looked like uh, clergy uniforms, and things that seemed like they just belonged at a rummage sale. Teapots and tea sets, silver platters, antique figurines. Some of them were pretty weird, with tiny pinprick eyes and stiff old hair. What do you want to bet some of that is human hair? Adam said, winking. Perhaps the weirdest thing of all was the change in my brother. My brother, who for months had been reticent, grumpy, and aloof, was now smiling with us, cracking jokes, and enthusiastically helping. Even his cheeks looked rosier, his eyes brighter. I caught my parents smiling at each other, uh, maybe this will be okay kind of smile but to me it seemed even more intense than a simple change in attitude. It reminded me of when my great aunt had gotten heart surgery and a hefty blood infusion. Before she was pale and listless, afterwards the same jolly lady I remember from growing up. When we emerged from the attic, we were all covered head to toe in dust. Luckily they updated the HVAC system last year, my dad said. A lot of this should clear out in a bit. Still he brushed off his clothes and a whoosh of grime came off. I desperately wanted a shower. You coming Adam? I asked as I headed back down to the basement. Adam shook his head. I'm going to keep working in the attic. You go ahead. I looked away from my parents who were beaming at each other with pride and back up to the stairs that led to the attic, now stamped with our dusty footprints. The stained glass window on the landing showed a depiction of Jesus's body being taken down from the cross. A bright red spill of blood reflected like a pool on the wood floor. Turning back to the basement, I proceeded down the rickety stairs. The whole area was only lit by one bulb hanging from the ceiling. I assumed the youth group had taken a bunch of lamps. The bathroom wasn't in much better shape. The tiles scuzzed over with lime, the door to the shower that uh, faded misted glass with metal trim that I associated with 90s budget hotel rooms. Everything was a vague yellowish color, but it was better than being covered with dust. So I turned on the water, stripped down, and got into the shower. I was lathering up my hair when I could have sworn I heard something. A vague rustling, sort of like breathing. Must be the electrical system humming, I told myself. I still had to get used to all the weird noises. But then the lights started flickering. On. Off. On. Off. Hello? I called out, straining to see through the rivulets of water running down my face. My eyes started to sing, sting, soap had gotten in them, turning my vision even blurrier. Adam, is that you? There was no answer. But dimly, I thought I could see the vague outline of a human figure through the misted glass. Adam? Slowly, the figure shook its head from side to side. No, this was not Adam. My eyes felt like they were burning now. A scream lodged in my throat that wouldn't come. Still covered in soap, I flung open the door. But nothing was there. It was the same old bathroom. The mirror misted with steam. Maybe I'd imagined all of it, I thought. My knees were shaking, a puddle of water forming underneath me. In my haste to get into the shower, I'd forgotten to grab my towel. So I turned back towards the rest of the basement and screamed hovering over the mattress. As the bare light bulb flickered overhead, was a blood-red figure, suspended in the air, humanoid but not. A pair of horns extended above its head, almost touching the ceiling. Its skin looked rough and pebbled like a lizard's, but also slick with slime, and its mouth wasn't a mouth, just a wide gash crammed full of teeth. Some of them looked human, others didn't. As I stood frozen in place, the creature floated towards me, its two long arms rising to grab me, and everything went dark. Trevor! Trevor! I opened my eyes. The first thing I felt was a burst of pain in my head. The second thing I felt was that I was still naked, though someone had put a blanket over me, probably my parents, who were now couched on the ground, crouched on the ground next to me. I looked up, realizing that we weren't in the basement. They'd taken me up to the main room. Where is it? I gasped, my voice raw. Where did it go? Where did what go, Trev? My mom stared at me, clearly concerned, but trying to keep it together. My dad's lips were pressed into a thin line. It reminded me of when I got my appendix out as a kid. The same kind of deep parental worry. I saw something, I gasped, trying to scramble into a sitting position. In the basement. My dad put his hand on my shoulder, gently pushing me back. Was this before or after you fainted, buddy? Before, no, after, no, wait, I don't know. I I just know it's there and it wants us, it wants me. As soon as I said it, I knew it was true. That thing had been coming to me in dreams for a little while now, but it was always half-formed. Now, being in this place, it was somehow sucking energy, developing into something more, something bigger, something stronger. Should I take him to the hospital? My dad asked. What do you think? Matt, my mom said quietly, I think it's time to reconsider this idea. Having him here and not in Florida? No, my mom shook her head. All of us here, this place. It was then that I wondered if she'd been seeing something too. But before I could open my mouth and ask, another voice spoke up. What are you guys talking about? It was Adam, standing at the foot of the stairs to the attic. His eyes were wide, but he still had that same rosy look from before, maybe even more so. Under the dust, I could see his arms flexing. Had he always been that muscular or that tall? We think, my mom said slowly, that this isn't really working out, Adam, this place. The stress on our family isn't worth the price, my dad added, sounding a bit defeated. What's important is that we're, we're doing what's best for everyone. No, Adam shouted, shocking everyone. My parents' faces fell in an instant. No, we can't leave. I won't. Adam, be reasonable, my mom said. If it's the renovation project you're excited about, we can put you in touch with somebody. To he- no, I don't want to leave. With a roar that sounded more animalistic than human, Adam marched off back up the stairs, running too quickly, I thought, moving too quickly. Should we go get him? My mom murmured. Let him cool off, my dad said. He's a young man who's been through a lot. Let him have some time to get to feel his feelings. In the meantime, let's get our stuff together for tonight. We'll come back tomorrow with a van. My mom drifted away to get her purse, and my dad followed. I knew I should go downstairs and get some clothes, That th- and that thankfully this nightmare would all be over soon. But that's when I saw it. A fine mist of blood spraying from the ventilation duct in the ceiling. I remembered my dad's words. They replaced the HVAC system last year. The attic. The chainsaw. Adam. No! I screamed, charging up the stairs, throwing open the door. I felt all the air freeze in my lungs. Adam was crouched over the vent with the buzzing saw next to him, except it wasn't Adam. Half of him was that creature I'd seen before, the blood red thing with horns and scaly wings, and that thing was feeding Adam's hand into the saw. Feed us, the thing said in a dark, hideous voice, though it was Adam's lips moving. Feed us and awaken us, for we will grow stronger here The holy men no longer rule. They have no more power here. Feed us and know our might. Adam's face was frozen in a mask of pure pain as the saw made a sound like a dying animal. I could hear it cutting through bone and sinew, spraying and spilling blood. I finally unfroze and ran towards him. Adam, stop, stop! But I slammed into something, something that wasn't there. Come no further. Let the consequence of our influence be felt. Trevor, go! Adam shouted at me through tears. His face was turning white. I couldn't look at his hand anymore. The saw was more than halfway through. Go now! But I couldn't go. I could feel the forest all around me trapping me in place, burning me so that the hair on my arms began to singe as a high, cackling laughter rang through the room. I used all of my strength to whip behind me a saw, and saw a box that we hadn't taken down, a box of Bibles. Bang! I threw a Bible at the thing. Immediately I heard a long hiss like a train emitting steam and then a primal shriek as the creature writhed. I don't think I really heard it, but but I distracted it enough to leave Adam alone. He was bleeding heavily, so much of the floor slick with his blood. I could see he was right on the verge of passing out. Adam! I said, you're Adam, my brother, you're not this thing! Silence! The thing shrieked. It was no longer using Adam's mouth. The sound seemed to be coming from all around us. There was something else, too. Smoke was filling the room. The attic was on fire. We take what we wish. I could feel the creature leering at me. Even though I couldn't see it, every corner of the room I looked into seemed like something had just left, leaving a swirl of dark smoke. There is no one to protect you. Surrender. I looked at Adam, but he had passed out, his mouth partially open, his chest rising and falling, but shallowly. Soon I realized there wouldn't be enough air in the room for either of us. Look at me, boy. Look at me. I'd barely begun to turn my head when I felt something slam into me, and a searing pain shot up and down my arm. When I looked down at it, I saw a rough, red, pebbled texture that had begun to spread. No! I shouted. That's when I noticed that the Bible had fallen open, not errantly, but as though to a specific page. And I caught a glimpse of some verses. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Against the powers of this dark world, I gasped, my hands wrapping around a set of prayer beads that had been in the discard pile. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, I heard a primal scream from somewhere in the room, from everywhere, but then it melted into a low, deep cackle. Try to stop us, you will only fail. Suddenly blood started pouring out of the pages of the Bible, hissing into steam as it met the licking fires, and the steam transformed into faces. Over and over, distorted versions of the face I'd been seeing in my dream. All of these faces, missing features, bleeding, screaming for the release of death. For a second I saw Adam's face in that fire. Please, it seemed to mouth, please. No, I shouted, no, 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 no. Or at least I tried to make the words. All I could hear was a low moan. And then I said my own little prayer, even though I'd never really been religious. Lord, please let me go quickly into nothingness. Don't keep my spirit or soul around. Just send me straight into eternal darkness. I can't take this anymore. I clawed my fingers into the floor in frustration, believing this was the end for both my brother and I. And my fingertips met a series of soft ridges. I followed the ridges and saw the floor to the room under the same carpet we'd pulled up that day had a circle carved into it. I knew it wasn't random. And somehow I just knew what to do or knew it was my last hope feeling like I was on fire. Maybe I was on fire. I launched myself across the room to Adam, hooked my hands around his ankles, and pulled him to the center of one of the circles. He was so heavy, his muscles completely lax, like a dead body. But I wouldn't let myself think about that. I had to get him to the circle. Maybe somebody had left it to protect us. Maybe we wouldn't die. With a loud grunt, I managed to get Adam to the center of the room as the wind seemed to pick up and swirl around us. All of a sudden, everything seemed to suck in like a black hole that just opened up in the room, and then a massive fiery explosion blew me back, and everything went dark. I remember very little from the following days. One of the few things I do remember is being in the hospital, the doctor talking to my parents about the weird rash on my arm, telling my parents that they had to amputate what was left of Adam's hand, telling them that he was lucky to have survived. The official story was that Adam's new meds induced some kind of psychotic break and he'd started hallucinating. But that was bullshit. I knew the truth. I heard my mom sobbing to my dad, why couldn't we get up there? Why couldn't we go upstairs? And I knew they'd experienced the same kind of force field-like power that I had that kept them in place. I heard my mom on the phone to the rental company, which claimed that the so-called faulty wiring was the reason why the property had burned to the ground. And I heard her call up my grandma Jane and ask if we could all stay for a while. Things went back to normal for our family, or as normal as they could get and we never talk about it now. My dad's passed away, and me, my mom, and Adam are the only people left. Though we have a deep bond, it feels somehow fragile, built on never acknowledging what happened in that old church. I still have that mark on my arm. For the first few years, I had it deeply. When I got a little too close to something, a Halloween decoration, maybe a Ouija board, it really started to burn. Now it's not every spooky thing. These days, I think it's just the ones that people have tried to use to contact something else, to summon something from beyond. The thing is, I can't tell if the burning I feel is something good, trying to warn me to stay away from such items, or if it's something bad, trying to feed on me and become strong enough to return. Whose power is it really that lurks under my skin?
0: Ah, he's infected. He's infected. Forever. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I was ready as you were going. I was like, oh my God, is Adam possessed? Like. Mm-hmm. did the did the church that property like did it somehow, whatever spirit was there, did it get to Adam somehow? Like we talk so frequently here about teenagers, like generally when there's some sort of um like angsty energy, mm-hmm. depression, like teenagers, something about like their hormones and just like how kind of unstable you are at that age. it creates a space to let I don't know possessions happen.
1: Mm, like, because like, he, he was already acting weird before he went there but maybe
0: it had nothing to like maybe mm. he wasn't just acting like a shitty teen just doing dumb teen stuff something,
1: something was drawn into that house
0: well maybe the before the drawing of the house like maybe that group of friends and like all yeah. of that maybe that was all like a pre-planned demon plan like maybe uh, he was exposed to something at some point maybe he was hanging out with like a rougher crowd but then maybe what we don't know is like did they mess around with a Ouija board did they do something stupid did he mm-hmm. bring something into his life that then you know latched onto him and then drew them
1: and oh, their yeah. family
0: to that house like it was a part of a bigger plan
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know Th-
1: that's a uh, an interesting thought that if Okay, if uh, something can, you know, latch onto you, like we yeah. talked about attachments, and then that thing knows about, we've also talked about plenty of places that seem to be like portals for other, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, ghosts and different things, like yeah. uh, like the veil is thinner at this place, or places that are especially like evil for whatever reason. They don't know why like this particular area of the earth uh, seems to attract things. Mm-hmm. That like, what if that little attachment thing knows about a place where it can uh, strengthen, basically where it can become more powerful yeah. and can kind of manipulate people around you into getting to that place who knows
0: who knows Oof. any uh, yeah
1: i have some pictures. pictures not nothing uh you know comes from this story just a yeah. you know random story but uh this is i don't know where it comes from i think it's an ai rendering of a demonic entity it just reminded me a bit of the monster from this oh, story
0: oh yeah except not the big red. horns
1: it should be red i think it is red uh, it's faces at least
0: oh okay well
1: and then darker horns yeah
0: I was thinking it would be like a whole red bodied thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, yeah, from the story. Absolutely. Yeah. The second one, definitely AI. Spooky rendering of a creature described as a devil demon.
0: Shows a picture of me. <laughs> uh, Yeah. That's really cool, though.
1: Mm-hmm, it is really cool. And then uh, for fun, I asked Google for pictures of the most demonic looking actor.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: William Dafoe came up more than anybody else.
0: Okay, that is so funny because I don't think it's in this story, but like I've just, we're always working in advance. Yeah. And somewhere in some story that I can't even remember if it made it like the final cut, but it was like, the only way I can describe what I saw was like if William Dafoe's face was melting off. And I'm Whoa. like, that is so specific. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's such a great actor. He
1: is, he is. I, th- I think that was from uh one of the Spider-Man movies of him playing Green Goblin.
0: Oh. hmm hmm was that, are you sure that second photo was AI and that wasn't from like a movie or something?
1: Uh, no, it, it said it was AI. Oh, okay. Whatever it was, but yeah. Yeah. Cause okay. they can make it, it look like a little model almost.
0: Yeah. Well, there's just like such cool things that they do in Hollywood to make, you know, those creatures. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was I w- just looking at it like very quickly, like my costume brain was like, well, I feel like this costume house knows how to make those effects. Like I could uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, snapped into how they make the molds and it's like such a cool process. Yeah. Yeah. I thought for sure it was from something. Okay, yeah. I thought that was like so, yeah, the Adam stuff. Like I was making notes, like is he possessed? Was he was he going to be drawn to the attic? Mm-hmm. Like before that even happened, uh, was the family drawn to the church by his energy? Like was it more than just Adam? I don't know. There yeah. were so many questions and it's so tough because when you have a kid going through a tough time, yeah. you're going to do anything to make, to try and make it better for them, try and help them. Mm-hmm. And you know, if that means selling your house and moving to an abandoned church, mm-hmm.
1: so be it. I, uh, I just, Although
0: I, I don't know if I love our kids that much, <laughs> to be honest.
1: What was that horror movie? I already forgot the name again. I'm pulling Talk it up. Talk to me. That's what it was. Because because it, it, you fell asleep. But I want to say I...
0: Fell asleep. I decided... Dan was like, hey, I want to watch this horror movie. And I was like, I, bed don't, bed. I don't I don't want to watch a horror movie. Horror movie. I'm so tired. I just want to go to sleep or watch something not horror related. You insisted on watching it. So I was like, well, okay. Because you, you said
1: you were going to go to sleep anyway.
0: Well, because I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. So I got into bed and I rolled over. But... Th- From what I heard, I had to like pull the blankets over my head and I was like, okay, go to sleep. Could you hear me doing like a little like scratching sound? Uh -uh. So funny, like how loud things can be when they're close to your ear that someone else can't hear. I pulled the blankets up pretty close, but I can't pull the blankets over my head because then I can't breathe my own hot air. So I like did a little carve out around my face and I was holding the blanket by my ear and then I was scratching the blanket so that it would drown out the sound of your scary movie.
1: I mean, definitely recommended. It came out last year. Um, trying to get back into watching some horror movies. And it's, yeah, it's called Talk to Me. And it is about like teenagers. So I, it just reminded me a little bit of this story of uh, teens. And they just, uh, not giving anything away where like they find this device that allows them, it's, it's like a Ouija board on steroids where like you definitely get to experience things and not only like hear, like, you know, like pushing the planchette and like, yes, no, spelling things out, but like you see things and you can actually, it's like a game where you can have something possess you and then that sounds like a terrible game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's it's a great, it's a really cool blend of like this kid's perspective of like if it they treat it like it's a game, even though some people are like, I don't know if we should be doing this. Yeah. And you know, and over and over, you know, they find out that they can actually dip into this and dip back out and be fine. And then of course, because it's a horror movie, eventually things are not fine. Of course. But uh really well done and just really inventive. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was really creative.
0: Was it scary?
1: Yes, I thought it was.
0: Okay. You were mm-hmm. spooked?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Really I'm glad scary concept. It then. Yeah, well executed. Mm-hmm.
0: So I made the right choice.
1: Yeah, it would have freaked you out, I think. In yeah. I mean, it is what, like a lot of those. And especially, I guess, ones of if there's some characters that can be a little bit comedic. If you watched it during the day and, and you kind of were half paying attention, you're going to be fine. But if you let yourself get into it, I think it's genuinely scary.
0: Because uh, when you showed me the previews, I was like, this looks stupid.
1: No, it's great. Great concept. I, I thought it was very well executed.
0: Okay, well, snaps to them
1: are <laughs> uh, you ready to leave this monster behind and yeah. learn about a big ship docked off the coast of texas
0: yeah that sounds way better
1: before moving on to more scares let us fir- t- first take a quick in between story sponsor break thanks for listening to those sponsor deals creeps and peepers so just teeny bit of history before jumping into the paranormal aspects of this one the uss lexington or lady lex was a u.s navy aircraft carrier commissioned in 1943 and named after the original USS Lexington uh, that was sunk in the Battle of the Coral Sea in May of 1942. This new Lexington participated in almost every major battle of the Pacific in World War II, spending 21 months in active combat. Wow. Yeah, the ship earned 11 battle stars and accommodation from President Roosevelt, also took so much damage in World War II that the Japanese reported it as being sunk on four separate occasions.
0: I didn't know that a ship could be awarded things.
1: Yeah. Like I medals. Mean, yeah. I guess like, yeah, like ships can be given like honors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then, and then they gave it the nickname of the Blue Ghost. I don't know if it's like you called a medal, but like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'd i have to like research again to look exactly what a battle star is. Uh, 265. Uh, so don't ask any more questions about military stuff. I wasn't. 265 sure. people would lose their lives aboard the new Lexington. And while some of the deaths were due to accidents or illnesses, most were due to warfare, most were sudden and bloody and many believe that these deaths left the ship haunted. Time now for the tale of the Blue Ghosts, Ghosts. The ship was decommissioned in 1991 and turned into a museum in Corpus Christi, Texas, that's been open to the public since 1992. Visitors aboard the Lexington have reported seeing apparitions, hearing noises, and orb-like lights and strange mists. Lexington historian Judith Whipple told Texas Monthly reporter Catherine Jones in 2001, I don't believe in ghosts. However, when you start collecting stories and one told four or five years ago pops up again, now that's spooky. Almost every employee claims to have at least seen or heard something they haven't been able to totally explain, as have thousands of visitors. Some of the most frequently spotted Lexington ghosts have included a sailor in uniform, who often appears to help lost visitors find their way back to the main deck, and a man who repeatedly walks through a wall. In the engine room, a married couple claimed to have once spotted a dark-haired man dressed in dungarees and a denim work shirt. The spirit looked so incredibly lifelike, they originally believed him to be a real flesh-and-blood guy. So much so that when he suddenly jumped the deck below, they ran down to make sure he wasn't hurt. But once they got down the stairs, no one was there. And no one was matching the man's description, uh, or no one matching the man's description was on board the ship. The most famous ghost on the ship is probably Charlie. <laughs> The ghost of a kind sailor who was allegedly given directions to lost visitors on numerous occasions. Charlie, another very lifelike ghost, has often been described as being good-natured and handsome, with blonde hair and blue eyes. He once introduced himself as Charlie to a visiting family and asked if they wanted a tour, which is how he got his name. In 2016, using a high-end projection system and state-of-the-art animation, the USS Lexington gave this former engine room operator life and put Charlie to work as a hologram tour guide funny. Another couple once reported seeing an officer dressed in khakis by the galley who yelled at the man to remove his baseball cap. The officer disappeared into thin air after giving his orders. Once again, before he disappeared, the ghost looked so much like a real person the man asked to take his cap off did. In 1992, an electrician was working aboard the Lexington. When he turned away from a task he was working on, he saw a massive sphere of blue light. He said that the ball was bigger than a football floated four feet off the ground, hovered around independently, and then vanished. Rene Zareda, education coordinator, once reported that security officers heard running in the hangar bay at around 3 a.m. The damage control officer didn't see anything on the security cameras, so he went to inspect the noise. The officer was patrolling the lower decks when he saw something move out of the corner of his eye while peering into one of the rooms. He quickly closed the door and spun around, but it was too late. In front of him stood a tall, shadowy human figure. He said that looking at it was like staring into a black hole and caused him to experience a rush of the most intense sadness he had ever felt in his life. When he could finally will his body to move again, he ran from the ship and never went back. Perhaps the most terrifying encounter on the Lexington happened one night during a thunderstorm. An employee was alone on the upper deck. The rain was coming down heavy, and he was making sure everything was safe and secure when a loud crash of thunder filled his ears as he raced from one end of the deck to another, holding the hood of his raincoat down over his ears. He saw a flash of light, and then the power went out. All was dark around him until he heard the sound of footsteps, causing him to freeze to the spot. His hood fell off his head, and now the rain was dripping down the back of his neck. But he didn't try and pull his hood back on and rectify the situation, because he couldn't move. He was frozen in place, truly shocked by the unreal scene unfolding in front of him. He was staring at ghost-like figures of people running all over the deck, seemingly trying to find cover as objects that looked like torpedoes crashed into the ship. Ghostly, mangled bodies were strewn all over the deck. Between claps of thunder came blood-curdling screams and the sound of almost deafening explosions. Just as quickly as it all appeared, everything faded into the darkness, and the man was once again just alone in the ship. Bill Miller, a paranormal tour guide, believes that this unnamed employee saw the ghosts of sailors running and hiding from a torpedo attack that happened back in World War II. While this might be the most intense encounter, hundreds of reports of paranormal activity are said to occur aboard the USS Lexington each and every year. Paranormal researchers seem to believe the ship is haunted, intensely haunted, because it's absorbed the energy of all the sailors that have died on board over the years. If that answers the question of how they got there, the next question is, how long will they stay? Forever, forever. forever. I do wonder about that. Like, uh, you know, how how long? Like, like there's these ghosts in these old castles and stuff that people have been, you know, reported seeing for for centuries. It's like, well, how long does it, do they eventually fade out? Uh, well, we're not seeing any like cave people ghosts, are we? Or maybe we are. Oh, we just don't know I don't about know.
0: It. Maybe maybe we just don't know about it yet. Uh, I would think. Well, I've. Generally, I think the assumption is that a ghost is a ghost is left behind because of unresolved business. Yeah. It has like a mission to complete or has a message to share or their death was a mystery or like, mm-hmm. okay, like Teresita Bassa. We were just yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. her actually when you were doing press where it's like, okay, well, once the murder was figured out, like, then did she just go on? Was right. she no longer stuck? But then, okay, just like... In this realm, there's good people and bad people. Like maybe there are just some bad ghosts, mm-hmm. in bad spirits. People who don't want to leave. Yeah. Maybe they were not good people in life and then they're not good people in their next life. And so they stay to terrorize others. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like maybe people who are more pure of heart just are trying to connect with their loved ones to let them know they're okay. I don't, I don't know. There could be so many answers to that question
1: mm-hmm. why do they stick around and how long how uh no few pictures just uh, I'm,
0: I'm gonna stick around forever <laughs> yeah oh well it depends depends who's go- who goes first okay you go first i'll come find you and we can like terrorize the kids together okay if uh if i go first then you come find me
1: okay but I'll, like
0: like if i go first i'm gonna like sit on your shoulder and be with you always except when you go to the bathroom
1: okay okay Uh, This first is the USS Lexington, a.k.a. the Blue Ghost, uh, taken this picture in 1958.
0: Have you ever seen any of those ships in real life?
1: Actually, I haven't. I was thinking about that. I don't think I've—I don't recall ever seeing an aircraft carrier, Mm -hmm. like, up close in real life. Definitely never been on one.
0: Definitely never been on one. I'd love
1: to because they're they're incredible machines.
0: Incredible. I feel like I saw something down in Long Beach Mm. a million moons ago, but now—I don't know. I mean, we're talking— 20 years ago at this point yeah uh or you know 15 years ago i, I just can't remember I, I feel like i would remember but i don't yeah.
1: know
0: they are they are fascinating
1: yeah yeah just these like yeah it's just crazy to me this uh ship big enough to for planes to take off yeah. and land on them
0: i know <laughs> i know when we watched uh the new maverick yeah you know, they had a, a aircraft carrier on mm-hmm. that and they sort of show like a net kind of thing where it like, I don't want to say they catch the plane, but it's like this And there's like interesting a cable mechanism. too on
1: a lot of them that like catches some hook that goes underneath Yeah. Because otherwise there's just not enough length to slow them to, down fast enough. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I'm impressed by that kind of engineering.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, this next one uh, is the Lexington as a museum now in Corpus Christi. So they just docked it out there and then built this huge platform that leads out to the ship. That's a. I,
0: I would imagine that that exists in other places. Maybe sometime in our travels, we can see, see a, a permanently ships. docked mm-hmm. aircraft carrier.
1: And then finally, the USS Lexington lit up as, at night as the Blue Ghost. They'll throw some blue lights on it sometimes.
0: Oh, that's really pretty.
1: Yeah, it looks really cool. City there yeah. in the background.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Cool.
0: Cool, cool, cool runnings. I need to watch the movie again. Um, I just... Was like a tiny bit disappointed because I thought, like, when that lady's last name was Whipple, we were gonna get a
1: Whipple out of you. <laughs> whipple! Like, and I'm like, come on, time. For,
0: for non time suck fans, it's a joke from that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an energy drink that mm-hmm. Dan has invented, but it doesn't exist for real. <laughs> ah, all right, you ready to sit back and enjoy some horror? I am. Who's your Layla this week? Got a blue one. Oh, blue. Mm-hmm. I, I have a like a, a burb I can feel right in oh, my chest. Oh, yeah. That is the strangest thing. I know we talk about all the time here, where it's like, I'll be fine the whole time you're talking. And then my turn comes, and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) The time has come for me to burp. All right. Well, let's go visit the unhappy ghost. Okay. This took place in the late 90s. My aunt and uncle had recently bought a new house in the suburbs of D.C., and my family was taking our first trip down to visit and meet our newest cousin, their third child. I was seven or eight at the time, and my younger brother was about three. Even as a kid, I remember being blown away at first sight. Their house was incredible. Calling it a mansion wouldn't be far from the truth. Everything about the inside of the house was grandiose. Right off the front entrance was an enormous playroom that my cousins had filled with all sorts of toys. And not far from that was a massive kitchen connected to a living room with a ceiling that went all the way to the top of the house. As kids, though, our favorite room was the basement. From the living room, there was a set of stairs that would take you into this enormous finished basement that ran the entire length of the house. In one, co- in one corner of the basement, they had an inflatable ball pit. It wasn't huge, but still a fucking ball pit. There was also a pool table down there along with a TV and the best video games the late 90s had to offer. At the bottom of the stairs, leading to the basement, there was a bedroom, and around the corner from the landing of the stairs was the entrance to the garage. I remember thinking this was the coolest house ever. I've only come to learn this as I've gotten older, but my parents' first impression was a little bit different. At the time, all they could think was how were they able to afford this. My uncle had a good job at the time, but not a job that was paying for a house like this my parents would soon find out there was a very, very specific reason they were able to afford this home. While we were there, my family all slept in the ball pit because we're freaks like that. (laughs) Haha, just kidding, come on. However, we did all sleep in the same guest room. Everything was fine the first night. We were tired from traveling and slept without incident. But in the middle of our second night, my brother woke up crying hysterically. My mom tried to comfort him without much luck. Through tears, he managed to get out. There, there there's a, a a ghost at the window. She's a lady ghost and she's not a happy ghost. This precise moment I'd been packing my at this precise moment I'd been packing my bags and running out the door. But I was seven, so no. Instead, my mom called my brother and put him to bed, thinking to herself, I'm not about to deal with that right now, and went back to sleep. This was the only odd thing that happened on that trip. My little brother thought he saw a ghost and my mom put him to bed. End of story. It wasn't until my mom was speaking with my grandmother a few months later that she learned the truth about the house. The reason that my aunt and uncle were able to afford the house was that they had gotten it for such a ridiculously low price and that low price was because the previous owner, a woman, had died by suicide in the garage by running the exhaust of her car. There was no way my brother or any of my immediate family had the slightest clue about that information at the time. But that must have been what my brother saw, a lady ghost and not happy. That was enough to convince me that the house was haunted. Fast forward 10 years and I now have a sister. She's about eight and we have visited my aunt and uncle's house a few times since. One day, back home in New Jersey, we were all hanging out in our living room with the TV on while my sister was watching her cartoons. In whatever show she was watching, The main character was hearing voices in their head or something like that. Jokingly, my mom asks my sister if she's ever heard voices in her head. And to my mom's horror, my sister says, well, just that one time. So we all nervously chuckle while my mom asked, well, when was that? And my sister says, it was when we were at the house with the ball pit. It had been almost two years since we had last visited. My mom carefully asked my sister to tell her what had happened. And my sister goes on to say that while she was playing in the ball pit in the basement by herself, she heard a voice start to say, Do it. Do it. Do it. Repeatedly. And that's when my sister ran up the stairs past the garage door and found my mom on the couch upstairs, quietly sitting down next to her without saying a word. Even though it was two years later, my mom still remembered this exact incident and how odd she thought it was with the way my sister was acting. We have always wondered if what my sister heard was the woman saying do it, possibly encouraging my sister to do something horrible. Or perhaps, even more sinister, was the voice telling my sister to do it the same voice that the woman had heard, the same voice that she finally gave into when she ended her life? My aunt and uncle ended up having five children total, and eventually they hired a live-in nanny to help with things around the house. Her bedroom? The room in the basement at the base of the stairs, right next to the garage door. Through my grandmother, we learned that the nanny brought in a priest to exercise the house. I get chills when I think about what that nanny must have seen or heard while in the basement alone, just an arm's reach away from the garage door. They, they have since moved out of that house. And not only did they move into a new house, but they built their new house from the ground up. I think this adds to the credibility of the haunted house, the hauntedness of the house. That whenever they went through living in that house, drove them to build a completely new home, one they knew wouldn't come with dark baggage. Best, mm. Jack. Thanks, Jack. A do
1: it. I know, that, that's, that's a, a super creepy refrain. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh-huh. Yeek.
0: And now I feel like... I mean, there's no way to go back and find the family of the woman who died there. Mm-hmm. But if you did, let's just oh, like man. play that out. It's yeah. like you find that family and it's like, well, what was going on with her? What did she was she like healthy and well and then mm-hmm. she started to decline? Was it a surprise? Like, did she start to look haggard? What was going on? I don't know.
1: I, I went to a real dark place with that refrain and what happened to her. It's like, what if someone was encouraging her to do what she did? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, got it, got yeah, it. Got like, it go yeah, like go and yeah. find
0: like her got uh it, yeah. her family who's still alive and find out like Did something, did she all of a sudden take a a turn? Like she was like a happy-go-lucky person and had this great house.
1: Like like the entity was already there going, do it, do it, do it. Yes, exactly. Oh, I was thinking that like a real person in her life Mm. was encouraging her. And then now that's being replayed. But actually that is creepier. What you said is scarier in the- spooky uh, ghost world sense where there's something there that's trying to push you to do horrible things.
0: Mm -hmm. And And it could be like the leftover spirit of someone who previously, it could also be that like Mm -hmm. the person who lived there before that died by suicide was really going through it. And and then their spirit now lives on there and like, you know, unresolved issues or whatever, or it opened by dying in that house. You know, it opened the door to something evil coming in. It could Mm -hmm. be not interconnected. Yeah. If you have a little kid And they come out of a ball pit and they tell you that they heard a voice saying, Do it, do it, do it. I'm thinking I'm like never going in that ball pit. (laughs) Oh, so creepy. Okay, are you ready for my not creepy story?
1: I am. I love this story. I think it's
0: so cool. Okay. Hello, king and queen of creeps and peepers (laughs) who suck. Uh, I was listening to the Girl in the Cellar episode today, and Mm. before going into the fan stories, Lindsay brought up how there aren't many stories about college campuses. That there are a lot of old colleges out east, specifically mentioning Harvard, and one would think that they would have more scary stories. I knew I had to write to tell you about my alma mater. I graduated from a college called Transylvania University. (laughs) Yes, really. It is located in Lexington, Kentucky, and is a small private liberal, liberal arts school. As you can imagine, we lean hard into our name. (laughs) There would be brochures with one of the drama professors dressed as a vampire. We were called the Pioneers, but our actual mascot is a bat. The week of Halloween is a week-long celebration with daily activities like bonfires, horror movie showings, and so on. The most interesting, though, is that we have a tomb underneath our main building, Old Morrison, where two former professors are laid to rest. One of those isn't important and doesn't have a story. He just loved (laughs) Trancy, as we call it, so he wanted to be buried there, supposedly. The other, however, was a professor named Constantine Raffinesque. Some some background information. Transylvania was founded in 1780, and it is the oldest college in Kentucky. Trancy started the first law school and medical school in the West. In fact, the University of Kentucky, go cats, started (laughs) as Trancy's agricultural department. It is a generous campus with a rich history and a curse. Constantine Raffinesque was born in Constantinople in 1783. In 1819, he became a professor of botany and natural sciences at Transylvania. Mm -hmm. He discovered and published hundreds of plants and animals during his time there. However, he was often late for class or skipped classes altogether and had some issues with some of the faculty. It was rumored that he was having an affair with the university's president's wife. In 1826, Rafanesque was fired. This led to him famously cursing the university, saying, I took lodgings in town and carried there all my effects, thus leaving the college with a curse on it and Holly, Every seven years, the university would suffer a tragedy. No one paid it any mind, and Rafanesque left Lexington and landed in Philadelphia. One year after Rafanesque's firing, President Horace Holly, the one whom fired the one who fired him, died unexpectedly. Following his death, Old Morrison burned to the ground and was later rebuilt. There were also big outbreaks of influenza and cholera on campus. Rafanesque died in Philadelphia in 1840. In 1924, a group exhumed Rafanesque's body and brought it back to Trancy, lying him to rest under Old Morrison in an effort to lift the curse. One more event happened after Rafanesque was brought back to Trancy. In 1969, Old Morrison burnt down for a second time. The whole building was burnt to the ground except for, you guessed it, the tomb in which Constantine Raffinesque laid. There is some debate on whether the body lying in the tomb is actually Rafanesque's, as he was buried in an unmarked grave in Philadelphia. I mentioned earlier that us Transylvanians lean into our name in history. This is especially true with Constantine Raffinesque. The bat, that's our mascot, it's specifically Raffinesque's big-eared bat, and we call it Raff. We had a restaurant on campus called the Raff Skeller, and the week of Halloween I mentioned earlier, we call it Raff Week, and it ends with a raffle. Four names are drawn, and those four people get to spend the night in the tomb on Halloween night. I was the annual events chair for the student activities board, so I got to plan the whole week and even escort the four individuals to his tomb. During the walkover, we tell scary stories and set up some jump scares along the way, like people hiding and then popping out from behind trees, stuff like that. The tomb has a solid door, but but outside the solid door, it has an old quasi-jail cell door that is locked with a padlock. The four individuals are locked inside until the morning. (laughs) We're at least nice enough to order them pizza to get them through the night. I've attached some pictures of old Morrison, a beautiful shot of Trancy's front lawn, Raffinesque and his bat and the tomb and people staying in the tomb. Uh, And we'll show those in a minute. Uh, Sorry, this isn't a tale of a spooky personal experience, but I thought you may enjoy something a little bit different. Keep up the enjoyable scares and banter. Cheers, Devin.
1: Thanks, Devin. No, I I do love that that change of pace.
0: Yeah, it's totally different than anything that I would Mm -hmm. normally share, but I love history. I love the lore.
1: Yeah. and I hope we get more of that, you know? Yeah. yeah. People just sharing like the lore of their little town or some building town. Like the, the stuff that might not even be on the internet might not be in a book. Right. But it's local to your place. It's like a, a an urban legend from your community. Oh, yeah. That would be a great way to shake things up.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And like you, I thought for sure Transylvania was going to be in Pennsylvania. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. My mind, I don't know. My mind was so certain of that. I was like, oh, Kentucky.
0: Yeah, like duh. Uh, yeah. And I, I also love the history of knowing like that, um, uh, what is it? University of Kentucky. Yeah is where Transylvania like started. Like, it's such a cool... Mm-hmm, that like, is cool. Why would we know that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So oh, go ahead. I
1: was just wondering if I'm such a, such a, such a silly detail, but the uh, when they're locking them in there at night, yeah. I'm like, what about bathrooms? That's what I thought. <laughs> That's
0: immediately what I thought. I was like, but where do you
1: pee? They, they must be able to knock and get out.
0: Or maybe there's like a, I don't know, situation in there? A yeah. bucket? I don't yeah.
1: know. But okay. I, lo- I love that they lean into all this. Yes, How as fun. opposed to
0: trying to fight it.
1: No, and just have fun with it. And like, uh, that. that's, um, I love that prize for winning the raffle that four people get to like spend the night down there in the tomb. Yeah. And I bet if you interviewed all the people who have spent the night there over the years, some of them have, even if they just, it was their imaginations getting worked up. Yeah. They at least thought they heard some real spooky shit. I'm sure. Or saw something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we have a handful of pictures okay. that I would like to show you. Tyler, you ready? Okay. So this is Transylvania University, which is beautiful.
1: Yeah, it is. Right? Like nice, lush. Big old tea of flowers there on the, what's that called? It's not the lawn, but like. um, I would call it the lawn. Yeah, just the lawn, I guess. I thought there was a specific name for sometimes like that big lawn in front of like a main building like that. Hmm. But yeah, it looks cool.
0: I don't. I feel like I know what you're trying to say, but my brain is too tired.
1: I know. Yeah, we, we flew, flew back home today.
0: Yeah, we're a little... Okay. So uh, next photo is uh, a photo from 1976 of some people spending the night in the tomb. So these, like, this tradition goes back so far. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, well, are you sleeping... On a sleeping bag on top of the tombs? Yep.
1: Looks like there's the two tombs there and they got little sleeping bags they're putting that on top of them.
0: I know. I like Why that. Not? I don't know if you can really see it in this photo, but the one lady has on mittens. I'm like, oh yeah, it must be freezing in there.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this. Oh, I guess it's just a white ceiling. It, it looks like they're just out there in the open.
0: <laughs> just like a sky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then the next picture is also from 1976 and it's a photo of just the tombs. No people in it, but just so you can see a little bit more. Oh, yeah. See the engraving on top of the one?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, could you sleep on top of a tomb? I don't think I could do it. I'd be so freaked out. Uh.
1: You know what? I, if I was tired enough, maybe. Yeah. If I was so tired.
0: Tar- I, I'm going to need at least a mattress topper, okay? Like, <laughs> that is some hard, my body can't handle that anymore.
1: Oh, I thought you meant scare-wise. Well, that, but too, just, but just like-
0: then, that too, but then my brain immediately jumped to like, oh, God, Lindsay, your hips are in such bad shape. You'll never sleep through a night on a cement anything.
1: I I think I if I was tired enough it, w- it wouldn't be com- super comfortable but I think I could do it.
0: Okay, all right.
1: I'd be more worried about rolling off in, <laughs> in the middle of the night on that like. Uh, but
0: that's like bunk beds. People don't actually generally roll oh, off true. the top.
1: That's true. I never roll off the bed. No. You go to the edge, and yeah, your body knows.
0: I know. Isn't that strange? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we have another photo, just like a more modern stay in the tomb, just you know more current. Oh yeah. So better lighting, and I don't know where exactly that mirror. They say
1: four part. people win. I, like, is it two at a time or like? Uh, oh, yeah. Because there's not know. room for two people to sleep on one tomb. So I guess two people get the tomb and the other two get the floor.
0: Yeah. Maybe they bring in some blow-up mattresses. Um, and then our story submitter, Devin. This mm-hmm. next photo is of Devin down in the tombs. I just thought it was cute to ah, her. Yeah. I know. She's adorable. <laughs> cute. I like your your style, Devin. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, I like her
1: swagger. I know. The, the, with that pose. She's like,
0: check me out. Um, and then Rafanesque, the guy that's buried down there. That the Oh, yeah. Yep sleeping with the president's wife, causing trouble. And then my last and final photo is, um, Roth's bat. This is the bat, like Mm -hmm. the big eared bat that he, I don't know, like discovered that species, but it's like their, um, their mascot. Yeah. He's like a cute little guy. I don't really care about bats. I was like, I kind of dig you.
1: I know. I, yeah, I think like yeah, certain bats, like 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 squirrels and certain like little animals that some people find creepy and it's like, no, they're really cute. Who thinks squirrels are creepy? Well, just because of how fast and how twitchy they can be and stuff. And like,
0: I have, I'm deathly afraid of squirrels, Lindsay.
1: What? You are?
0: Yeah, I got attacked when I was like a small kid. Oh. Yeah, I got in my hair and then, yeah, it was real bad. Wait, how did that happen? No, I was playing. I
1: love squirrels. Uh, no, it's like, <laughs> I, it's like you told me before you love squirrels.
0: I was like, how the hell does a squirrel attack well, a human? Because they're
1: a rodent, technically.
0: Technically, but they're so scared of us. Yeah, they don't like when when you see a squirrel they run from you
1: pretty funny though the people are fine Most people are fine with squirrels mm-hmm. and a lot of those people wouldn't be able to like they can't stand like mice or rats Where it's like yeah, self-included, right? It's just like they don't have a fluffy tail that, I that, know. That, that's like the main difference is they don't have a fluffy tail
0: Also like rats and mice don't well, a mouse has a cuter face than a rat rats are just creepy they're yeah, so creepy. creepy. That weird, like, rubbery tail and like, <laughs> yeah. ugh. and you see squirrels a lot more in like a natural c- scenario. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. like mice and rat, you immediately associate with like infestation, garbage, trash, uh, oh, like yeah. them feeding on something that's already dead. Squirrels, I think yeah, about yeah, like climbing up a tree and yeah. eating acorns.
1: Maybe that's maybe that's a lot of it. Is like squirrels don't try and invade your space,
0: and they don't try to like nibble on dead things. I mean, I'm sure they do, but I don't oh. know. Are squirrels
1: Squirrels. I, th- I mean, I think they like the they, they nuts and stuff. I think so. I don't think squirrels eat meat. What,
0: what What's the word for an animal that doesn't eat meat? Vegetarian. No, there's like omnivore, uh, herb- uh, herbivore. Sorry, herbivore.
1: God,
0: oh. My brain is not firing. On all cylinders. <laughs> I was like, you know that word. You know, we use it to describe dinosaurs often. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Are you ready for to wrap it up with one spookier tale? I am. This is gonna bother you. Okay. I'm very excited. For okay. This. Okay. Hello, my name is Polly, and I live in Louisville, Kentucky with my boyfriend, Joe. This happened a little over a year ago. At the time, we were searching for an apartment to move into while we were staying in an old warehouse built in 1865. Some important information about the building before I go any further. The building was built in 1865 during the Civil War and was used as a military storage facility for medical supplies. Then it became a ham factory. And then in 1919, it became the Louisville Paper Company. A friend of ours bought the building a number of years ago and has been working to rebuild it back to building code standards so that it could be open and used by the public once again. We were staying in a room on the main floor where our friend and building owner, Darren, used to sleep. He moved up to the second floor when we moved in. I have not, I, I have always been open to the paranormal while our friend Darren has not. One night I messed up big time. I attempted to make contact with an entity I felt in the building. Shortly after that, a variety of things began to happen that I believed to be related to my attempt. I began to feel really depressed, lethargic, and paranoid, and I started to spend most of my time in our bedroom. I had a hard time sleeping at night, which didn't help. Small, random bruises started appearing on my body in peculiar places. I frequently video chat with my family, and now the chat would glitch out in weird ways. One of my family members took a screenshot of our chat to show me what appeared to be a disembodied face smiling and floating right above my throat. This uh. led me to confront Darren. I asked him if anything weird had happened to him or anyone else who stayed in our room. He said no, not to him, but that a pre- but that a previous roommate of his had stayed in that room a few years. I cannot speak. Had stayed in that room a few years ago and had complained about a clown apparition. Yeah. Darren thought this was nonsense I didn't really know what to think about this Strangely, all of the ghost detector apps on my phone I turned on for a sense of security All started saying the word clown When I asked if anything was there I thought that this was extremely not cool But I continued to be 18% skeptical of the apps Because why would we trust technology? The next day, I was video chatting with my mom I was home alone, talking to her While spinning slowly in an office chair When out of nowhere, she said, what's that? What? Who's in the room with you? At first, I just thought she was screwing with me. She said she saw somebody behind me. I spun around in the chair to prove that nothing was there, which there wasn't. Just a tall white wall in the background behind my head. She got quiet for a minute and then said there had been a tall, full-bodied, ventriloquist dummy of a clown with full clown makeup and big red hair floating behind me, staring at her through my phone. She said it was solid, and she thought that it had been something that was hanging from the wall at first. That made it hard to be in that building entirely. I felt a very dangerous vibe now, and I didn't have anywhere else to go. The only person who believed me was Joe, and I didn't even know how much he believed me. Then one night, while Joe was asleep next to me and I was lying awake, unable to sleep, Joe rolled over, looked at me, and started to speak as if he had not just been asleep in a voice that was not his. I've been sleeping in the same bed as Joe for eight years and he's never talked in his sleep. He said, He's right on top of you. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I said, The guy who's been chasing you, he replied. He's here and he's standing on top of you. And then with that, he turned around and went back to snoring. I looked at the foot of our bed, and in the darkness of the room, I saw an even darker humanoid mass towering over our mattress. I was completely freaked out. I was convinced the spirit of a woman had entered Joe's body to warn me about the lurking clown doll ghost thing. (laughs) Very shortly after that, I finally found an apartment that worked for us, and we moved out immediately. All the negativity and strange occurrences uh, stopped as soon as we moved out. My friends and I continued to visit the building for band practice. Being in there still makes me feel uncomfortable, but I'm also fascinated and compelled to learn more about the strange nature of a ventriloquist clown doll spirit. Thanks for listening, y'all.
1: So weird. So
0: weird. So creepy.
1: I was wondering, why why would, if you have some kind of ghost detector app, uh-huh. why would clown even be an option on it? It must be like, I guess it's kind of like a gag, like a joke. Mm. So it's not, because clowns aren't paranormal entities.
0: No, but that's like f- a
1: weird. So maybe, maybe like it is kind of like a joke for the app, but then super weird if this joke then does go to that one. If several of them go to that one, when you actually are seeing some clown-like <laughs> entity. Well, and what clown-looking thing?
0: And what Polly says that it took me a few times to understand what she was saying. Yeah. She says the all of the ghost detector apps on my phone I turned on for a sense of security. Yeah, it's like oh, I get what she's doing. She has like multiple apps to try and like disprove that something is there. So like if you have six apps and you think that something's in your house and you're asking it like, is there anything here? And this one says clown, Mm -hmm. you're probably like, GTFO, this is nonsense. So then you like open another app and say like, is anything here? Or like try to pick up like an EVP or whatever. And then you would hope that that one says like nothing. And you're like, and then you go to the next four and they all say nothing. So then you're like, okay, that first app, glitchy, joke, yeah, you know the developers are just trying to freak me out, kind of like thing. I know.
1: I, I I don't know what it says about me. I'm way more open to believing that this clown entity was seen. Yeah, than I am to apps being able to detect ghosts.
0: Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in the app ghost stuff.
1: Yeah, because I'm like, how that's got to be, how
0: how the right. only the only thing that I guess I would have some faith in is like a an app that's used to record uh, and detect EVPs.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because
0: honestly, I feel like you could use a tape recorder. I mean, you could use just about Mm -hmm. anything to record and then listen back to.
1: Totally. So I guess
0: technology advances and you can like catch it faster in real time.
1: Yeah, but if an app actually detected consistently, like accurately detected spirits— Then I'm like, well, then you would really have like more efficient ghost hunts. You have one person use the app and the other person with their camera ready to go. The second, like, like, I wish it was a real thing.
0: Yeah. I I wish wish it was more reliable.
1: Totally. I wish somebody could figure it out. But the whole clown thing that is like, like, like what Polly was talking about like, "Uh uh-huh. Me too. Um, What the hell? Why, why would it show as like a ventriloquist clown to me? It's okay. Again, always on the show, going with the, the the premise that, you know, this is a real thing.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think you have to say that anymore.
1: <laughs> True. i said it so for years now. <laughs> but um, I, for some reason, I feel still, okay. You
0: feel like you owe it to everyone to say, like, I don't believe everything?
1: Yeah. Or if, like, you know, I'm trying to take off, like, the skeptic hat and, like, why would something show itself as anything other than, like, a humanoid figure? If, it, if, it's, okay, if it's a okay. ghost. But I guess if it's like a demon or or if it's just some other entity, we don't know what the rules are. Why couldn't it just appear as whatever it thinks would scare you? Because mm. then it could appear as anything. It could appear as like a little ventriloquist ghost. It could appear as like some creepy, spindly, spider-legged monster. Mm-hmm. It's limitless what it could appear as.
0: There is some horror movie out there, I feel like, that... Like the premise is like, don't let it know what you're afraid of because then that's what it'll it'll show up as. Yeah, show up as. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're afraid of spiders, if you're afraid of drowning, like whatever, like it could be anything. But that's like what.
1: Well, there's been a lot of horror movies that like demonic type things. Yeah, and just not even just horror movies, like stories too, Mm -hmm. where you know, um, your mom who was not good to you, if you had like a bad parent or whatever like that, then they then this uh, you you start seeing their your mom yelling things at you Mm -hmm. or whatever or whatever it might be Yeah, but things just show up as whatever scares you the most or whatever upsets you the most Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's a different kind of fear
1: yeah we just did that a little bit with uh, I won't give away what happens but that series The Outsider oh yeah there was uh, definitely an intense sequence or scene in that one. yeah 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 where I know what you're talking about the thing shows up as somebody from the person's life oh
0: yeah Yeah, that was a really good show
1: yeah really well done
0: the first night that we started great Stephen
1: King adaptation
0: the first night that we started to watch it, I had taken my bedtime gummy to sleep, mm-hmm. and I was just starting to hit the point where it was time to go to bed, and then there was like a a hooded figure, I'll just say. And I yeah. was like, oh no, I can never watch this anymore. But then mm-hmm. it, it turns out, I'm pretty good about watching scary stuff as I kind of already knew, not in our space. Yeah. Airplanes are a great place to watch scary things. Because mm-hmm. then Fly there's like, yeah, well, and then like you don't have to watch it all at once. You're watching it in small mm-hmm. pieces because we only watch shows mm-hmm. at takeoff and touchdown. <laughs> Take off and landing, so it's like,
1: or going to, or falling asleep in bed.
0: Yeah. So it's like 15 to 20 minutes at takeoff and 15 to 20 minutes at landing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I can just have little snippets of horror. Yep. And then also there's so much hustle and bustle before and after that that it's like, I kind that of forget doesn't, about... It doesn't stick with you, yeah. I know. It's genius. Anyways. Okay. Do you want to do some shout-outs?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to do yours first?
0: Oh, sure. I would love to, Dan. Thanks for asking. I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for their support on Patreon. Rain Foster. Ruben Adams. Tracy Hill. John Thomas. Donna Merrill Classen. McKenna Cop... Sorry. McKenna Coppinger.
1: Coppen, Coppinger? Uh, no. It's Kippinger.
0: Kippinger. Oh, okay.
1: Kip Anger. Kippinger. Kip, oh, Kippinger. Kip, kangaroo. Kangaroo. It's kangaroo. It's
0: McKenna right. Kangaroo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Catherine, but she wrote it as Kat Herine. That's <laughs> silly. Ashley Parker, Brenda, Mar- and Mariah Prok... Proctologist. Proc- uh-huh.
1: Proc- Procter & Gamble. Prokoska. Prosciutto. Pepperoni. Pepperoni.
0: <laughs> you want to keep going? No.
1: <laughs> I would like to thank the following Annabelle's. Jason Voorhees Barry. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> uh, Sydney Spencer, Laura, are you voodoo? Uh, Tanya Connolly, Christina Harris Vella, Rachel Posey, Ryan Wur, Marion Kentucky, Amy Martz, and Samantha Latham.
0: Is it Marion and her last name is Kentucky? Well, or, or Mary, Mary
1: po, Space I N Space Kentucky. Oh,
0: Mary in Kentucky. Yeah, because you just said Marion Kentucky. Marion Kentucky. So Mary in Kentucky.
1: Come Mary on. in Kentucky. Kentucky's Mary.
0: Kentucky's Mary. The one and only Mary mm-hmm. from Kentucky. Yep. And then was there like Rachel Posey?
1: Yeah, Rachel Posey. Oh,
0: I mean, how many times? Ring around the rosy.
1: I think of Buster. I think it's Buster Posey. I thought there was a baseball player named Buster Posey. Catcher for the Giants.
0: I don't know. You know so many weird, random, like, sports <sighs> facts things that I, I can't It If, I wasn't, if I wasn't so
1: tired. Yeah, I'm 99% sure that he was, uh, then he transitioned to be a first baseman, but a really good hitter.
0: Yeah. Tyler, did I hear you chime in? Were you going to say something?
1: Yeah. I was just going to say thanks for all the Kentucky love I of know a lot two of Kentucky two weeks. Man, come on. I know. What? A lot Kentucky, Kentucky make some noise in the comments, you know? let <laughs> what's, what's, what's <laughs>
0: Oh, and then I have the following spoopy shout outs.
1: Let's skip them. Uh, that's our show. Thanks for continuing. Oh, go ahead.
0: <laughs> You're a weirdo. To Taylor from Jacob, I am so happy to marry you. I love you so much. To Danny from Macy, happy belated birthday. To Iris from Erin, to my wonderful wife on our first anniversary as a legal duo. Mm. I hope we have many spooky years to come. I wouldn't want to be scared to death with anyone else. To John, my peeper viking, a.k.a. googly bear, from your little hooker, Amanda, <laughs> a.k.a. Smoopsy poo. Happy 20th anniversary. Some high highs and some low lows, but there's oh. no one in the world I'd want to experience this with. Here's to 20 years and a lifetime to go. The little hooker, she does crochet
1: is that cute? It's <laughs> yeah, that is cute.
0: Okay. To Ash Hole from Cass Hole, <laughs> happy 26th birthday, you spoopy bitch. To Sarah from Jesse, happy birthday. And to Joshua from Andalora, happy 32nd birthday.
1: I mean, Tyler, you should try that um that nickname. Uh hell no. <laughs> just I just to see the look on her face. Like, what's up, asshole?" Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I'd never show up again. Tyler's now uh, you're missing? uh haunted uh, figure <laughs> around the office. I'll I will haunt you. If yeah. I do that, I'm gonna haunt the office. You? <laughs> I just never thought of that with the name like Ashley. Like that's a funny nickname on it. Ashole. Yeah, that's it's really great. funny to me. Yeah. Okay, okay, you done. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm done now. Okay, sorry. I'm ready for you to do your part.
1: Gotcha. That's our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at deathpodcast.com You can also send in local lore now.
0: I know, please do. I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. And like if we get more of those, I think like the way to yeah. do it is to sandwich them so that we get like spoops, lore, spoops.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, you can email us for everything else. Info at deathpodcast.com Thanks to the Bad Magic team for helping record today's episode. Tyler C out there uh, for both audio podcast, YouTube video consumption. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding the first story I told this week and Sarah Finch for finding the second. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want picks that accompany episodes and more at Scared to Death Podcast. Same handle for TikTok. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place. Fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within, scared to death. Bad Magic Productions.
0: And like you, I thought, for sure, Transylvania was going to be in Pennsylvania. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My mind, I don't know. My mind was so certain of that. I was like, oh, Kentucky.
0: Yeah. Like, duh.